0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: So I stole part of that title and put in Satan is still alive and living on planet Earth. Pastor Joe just prayed before and I was just thinking about the uh, dryness of the area with the physical water. Pray today that God would fill our spiritual streams with His Holy Spirit to overflowing because I think that's something that's really lacking uh, in this church, in other churches, in our land. And uh, going back to 1962 when prayer was removed from public schools. And in 1963, the Bible was removed. In 1980, the Ten Commandments were removed from public schools. Now, I want to read to you what the reason was that the Ten Commandments were removed. And this is verbatim. If the posted copies of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will induce the school children to read, meditate upon, perhaps venerate and obey the commandments. This is not a permissible state objective under the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Back in 1862, our founding fathers understood what they were doing, bringing in a Judeo-Christian foundation in our land. That's what our country was founded on. And then 118 years later, Supreme Court justices thought that they knew more than our founding fathers. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the repercussions of those decisions that have taken place in our land. We are still seeing the things. When President Obama came into office, one of the things he said was, this is no longer a Christian nation. Today in the newspaper, the Daily News, the parents of that poor lady that was gunned down, the uh, newscaster, said this is no longer a civilized nation. How far does it go? How far do we have to see this nation go? Jesus calls you and I the light of the world because we have Jesus in us. How much of Jesus do people see in us? You know, in, in this coming week, I know we have two days of an in-service because I'm a public school teacher, and then in a couple weeks, hate to say this teens, school starts again. Be back in school. Those same public schools that in 1962 and 63 did away with prayer in the Bible, I have good news. There are schools throughout the country that have prayer, that have Bible study. They come in the form of Bible clubs, whatever their names may be. I want to encourage our youth that are here today to take a stand for Jesus Christ and go into your school this year, make it a new year, that you'll not only rally around the flagpole when they have prayer, but you'll get a group of believers and you'll have, at least once a week, a Bible study after school before after school activities begin or half an hour before school begins. That's a challenge I give to all the youth. And a challenge I give to the parents is to pray that that takes place in your neighborhood schools because it's needed. 17 years after that one, one of those decisions, kids were praying in front of a locker in Kentucky, reading their Bible. And a 14-year-old came up, shot two of them and injured five. And we know what's taking place throughout our land. Open up the paper any day and you get heartbreaking news. You don't have to wait every week or month or three months. It seems like every day, right? There's something crazy going on. We're going to look at a a few scriptures today in Revelation. Revelation 1, 12 to 16 will be our first one. But with the teens, we're doing a study on the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is simply all about Jesus Christ. And I think it's so awesome. Pastor Joe is also doing uh, the book of Daniel, another prophetic book. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, there's two prophetic books being taught about right now in this church. I think one of the things, uh, this is a team. This is God's team right here. And hopefully all of you are starters on that team. You're all on the field. You're all taking the strategy from our head coach, Jesus Christ. And you're going out onto the playing field every day. Whether it be in your home, your work, your your schools, your business place, whatever it is. And you're fulfilling His commands. If you're not a starter... That means you're a substitute or a spectator. Jesus doesn't want spectators on his team. He doesn't want substitutes because he's given every believer his Holy Spirit indwelling dwelling in him for the works, what he's called you and I to do. Every time we get the privilege to sit under God's word, he's trying to stretch us. He's trying to convict us. He's trying to get into our heads to wake us up, to shake us and wake us. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian 30 years or three days. Every day is a new call. Every day is a new command. Every day is a new purpose that God sends us out to do because it's not going to be the same situations every day. We're not going to come across the same people every day. In some cases you will, but there'll be different situations. Up here on this particular map, these are the seven churches in this area that Jesus, when he appeared to John on the island of Patmos as John was a prisoner, told him to write these letters to these churches. Well, those were churches that really existed at the time, but because it's from Jesus Christ, and he picked those seven churches, there were also other meanings with those seven churches. God knew, or God knows, when your last day and my last day is. He knows when he's gonna pull all the believers up to meet him in the clouds. He knows when he's gonna come back the second time to establish a thousand year reign. He knows that timetable. You and I don't. But when we have our face in the book and we're reading his word, he alerts us to things that are taking place in our society to help us to stay awake and alert. If you really believe that Satan is still alive and living on this planet, then how much more is it that Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, is alive, who's the creator of heaven and earth, who's the creator of Satan, of you and me, has everything under control, and we need to be in tune with his Holy Spirit as we all merge forward in what he's called us to do. Now, in Revelation twelve, twelve. It says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. He has a short time. I was listening to Ravi Zacharias this morning, and he was talking about when he was on a plane and there was turbulence and he was going up and down and, and people were told to relax, to put their head between their knees, and to breathe normally. And he pointed out that the pilot says, we're approaching our final destination. And why do they call it a terminal? He also said that there was more praying when people are up in a plane than there is on the earth when our feet are on the ground. Isn't that interesting? But how about if we really understood the times that we lived in and how important it is to be serious about these times? Not to walk around as if we were sucking on lemons, but walking around with the hope that is in us, Jesus Christ, being the light of the world, in a world that's getting darker and darker and darker, and people are losing hope. Wednesday night we talked about Revelation 1 what we're going to look at right now. Matter of fact, let's jump into Revelation 1, verses 12 to 16. And I want you to picture that you're John on this island. We have some great imaginations that we've developed over our lifetime. I think of the movies, the graphic details with the big screen and just the magnificence of some of the special effects. Well, try to put yourself on this island when verse 12 takes place in chapter 1. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as a sound in many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength." So here's a picture of. We couldn't even capture the magnificence of what it must have been like, but to let your imagination run to just think of John. Never in a cinema, never in a big screen movie theater, he turns and he sees the risen Christ in his glory, walking among seven candlesticks, holding in his hand seven stars, Out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. Real quick recap of what we talked about on Wednesday night was the three churches. But what I want you to see in these three churches is not so much the history of the churches, not so much that they really existed, but more importantly, what God is trying to tell us through this in revealing Jesus Christ through these churches, that we can be applying that to ourselves today, not only as this church here in Janesburg, but also individually. What God is trying to show us in the description of himself, what he wants you and I to do, the results of what we do and you'll see this theme in the seven churches. Now, Ephesus, the first church that John was to send this letter to, had left their first love. The description of Jesus, we just read a pretty good description of him in those verses in Revelation 1, 12 to 16. The description at the beginning of this letter to Ephesus, he sees the Son of Man. He wants to bring saving words and life to the church. Jesus hasn't changed. He wants to do that today in our lives, in our church, in our heart. The thing that the Ephesians were called to do was to remember where they came from, to repent of things they were doing contrary to what Jesus wanted, and to return to Him the first love. If they didn't do this, and if you don't do this, and if I don't do this, the result is the removal of that light, that fire, the presence of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you say, well, Pastor Vinny, I don't really feel like I'm on fire. Well, you need to return to your first love. You re- need to remember if you've received Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior and you've repented from your sins, you need to get back to that point again. You need to sit at his feet. Smyrna, the Church of Suffering, in a couple 200-year period, six million Believers were murdered in Smyrna. It's a suffering church. Now Jesus describes himself to that suffering church as a resurrected Jesus, why? Because there's hope. There's life after death. They were facing persecution for being believers in Jesus Christ just as Pastor Joe spoke about today of all our brothers and sisters in foreign lands that are being mowed down by guns and machetes that are going to eternity with Jesus on their lips. Yet how often is Jesus on our lips and we're not even being persecuted? Does it take a plane ride for us to pray? Young people, does it take you getting up to bat or before you kick a ball? To ask Jesus to help you. Hopefully not. What did they say to the church? What did Jesus say for the church of Smyrna to do? Don't fear. Don't fear anything. We have dear brothers and sisters that are battling different cancers. He's saying to them, don't fear. He warned this church at Smyrna of suffering, imprisonment, and if that wasn't all, even death. He was telling them to be ready for it. Boy, just about 40 miles south of Smyrna is, is Ephesus. They just had to return to their first love. Smyrna had to get ready for suffering, imprisonment and death. Wonder how many people moved to Ephesus? But remember, this is also a picture of the future churches. It's not only the churches in history. It's not only churches, but individuals as well. To that same church, God said to be overcomers. He's telling you and I to be overcomers, to overcome the situations in our life that bring us down, that cause us heartache and suffering. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And the results of overcoming, the, the results of doing these things is that we will be given a crown and we'll avoid a second death. The last church we looked at on Wednesday was the church at Pergamos. Now you can see up here on the left the church of Pergamos was a compromising church. They put stumbling blocks in front of the congregation. It's where Satan's throne was. One of the things we pointed out was Pergamos was also the capital of that area. So Satan went, to, went right to the capital of the land to try to influence the rest of the surrounding cities and towns. That's what Satan does. Tries to get where the head is. To affect the rest of the body. Doesn't change here in the United States. It's the same over in Moscow. Doesn't matter. Satan's going to and fro throughout the whole earth to see who he can devour. And he's got a whole mess of demonic forces that's in his army. Dear people, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're part of that team. We're part of that army of Jesus Christ who overcomes those things of the enemy. But there's millions and millions, I'm gonna say billions of people that are under the influence of the evil one. The description of Jesus to the church of Pergamos was a sharp two-edged sword was coming out of his mouth. And this was like a five to seven foot sword that could cut a man in half or split him down the middle. We need to be opened up by God's word. We need to expose ourselves to the sword of the spirit so we get out of where we are. We're too comfortable in this land. We're too comfortable in this church. We're too comfortable on Jesus' team. Maybe that's because we're not first stringers. Maybe because we're not in the game, we're watching the game. We need to be on the field participating Jesus told the church of Pergamos to repent we talked about repenting I'm following a certain way I needed to turn and head in the other direction and the results of that if you don't do it is that Jesus will fight you there'll be a conflict with Jesus Christ and with his word his word will be conflicting to your spirit We want his word to be a challenge to us, to be a comfort to us, to propel us to action. But if it's stretching you, you need to see why is that stretching us at this point of our lives? What's going on? And you need to turn and sit at Jesus' feet so he can pour into you his game plan for that day, that situation, whatever's going on in your life. And he says, if you do these things, He'll give you the hidden manna. Remember in Egypt, the hidden manna that came from heaven and fed those people. Well, his manna, he's the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. We can partake of him 365, seven days a week for the rest of our lives to be nourished spiritually. Do we take advantage of that? Or do we just go around taking little bits and pieces of what tickles our ears in his word? He also promises us if we do this, that there's a white stone with a new name on it. A white stone back in those days was a sign of acceptance, of approval. You're accepted. You're beloved in Christ. He loves you and me. He died for you and me. He showed his love by his sacrificial death on the cross. You are not here by coincidence. You're never here by coincidence. You're here to hear the living God speak through his living word. And now we turn to the church of Thyatira. Tolerant church. Another church that was corrupted by the world, allowing the world to get into its teachings. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 2. Verses 18 to 29. I want to just encourage everybody as we're going through Daniel and Revelation and Pastor Paul is going through Proverbs and what the elders are going through, to study, to show yourself approved. These are just tidbits for, to whet your appetite, but you need to sit down at the dinner table of God's Word and partake. Revelation 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts." and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end To him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we have, you can take just that, those verses, and you can spend almost a year on those verses. We're not going to look in detail at every word that I just read. But what I want to point out to you is a few things. Jezebel, the prophetess. False teachings getting into the church. Sexual immorality. Idol worship. The laity being suppressed by people in a hierarchy in the church. Statues being built up to men and even to God to be prayed to and worshipped. A form of the paganism that came in through Rome and Greece into the church. Notice the description of Jesus here. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Picture a flame of fire just coming from someone's eyes. The piercing, the, the, uh, what it's telling you must be just looking through you That type of feeling. Notice also the description that his feet were of brass. Brass in the scriptures is a sign of judgment. You and I, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, our sins have been judged. We are innocent and free in Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in Jesus, there's a judgment coming. There's a judgment coming. You're going to be judged for what you've done with Christ. Now, Jesus said to this church to repent or else there was going to be certain results. The results being the sickbed, the great tribulation, children dying. Well, we can see in this nation that started off under the Judeo-Christian beliefs. Look what's going on in our country with sickness, from venereal diseases, from drugs. This could be one of the churches, they think they're okay before the Lord, but they're going to go through the great tribulation. They're going to go through the seven years of tribulation. They thought they were saved. They were doing the works of God. But remember one of those wake-up verses in the scriptures where someone's standing before people or before Jesus, and Jesus says, I never knew you." I don't know who you are. But Jesus, we went to church. We said things in your name. I don't know you. Depart from me into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. What a wake-up call that's going to be for some people someday. But what did Jesus say to do to the church in Thyatira? To hold fast. To overcome, to keep my works. And in John 6 29, it says, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Wow. Just to believe in him, in whom he sent. The results of doing that, of holding fast, overcoming, and keeping his works believing in the one He has sent, Jesus Christ, is power over the nations, receiving the morning star, Jesus Christ. In the thousand-year reign, you and I who have followed Jesus here will be ministering with Him to the people. He'll put us in charge. We'll be doing things for His glory. But, why don't we start practicing now? Why don't we start doing things now to practice? Because we're going to be ministering for him in the future. Why don't we start practicing for that time now and ministering to the people that God puts in our path? Church number five, Sardis, the dead church. The description, let's take a look at it in Revelation 3, verses 1 to 6. Revelation 3, verses one to six. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Sardis is described as a dead church. The description of Jesus is the seven spirits of God, the seven stars. Remember seven. In the Bible is a number of perfection, of completion. The complete work of God's Holy Spirit. God is here through his Holy Spirit. He wants to make you and I complete in Him. So He he wakes us up. He shows us things, sometimes things that are uncomfortable versus churches who don't like to cover those things that are uncomfortable in people's lives. Pastor Joe and the pastors and elders here don't care if this place is full. We just want to be full of God's Word and His Holy Spirit. That's it. Everything else is irrelevant. That's important. This church is told to be watchful, to work out and strengthen what they've been given. How are you and I in this capacity? Are we watching for the day of the Lord's return? Do we know it could be today? It really could be. Collectively, it could be today. Individually, it could be today. Are we ready? Are we watchful? Are we ready to go all the time? Do we work out in God's word? Do we strengthen ourselves by reading his word and talking to him and praying to him without ceasing? Waking up in the middle of the night and praying to the Lord, driving, praying about things. Walking through the hallways of your work or school, praying for those people that are around you. Notice here also to remember what you've received and what you've heard is the exhortation to this church to hold fast those things of God. But notice what's also there to repent. To repent. To hate evil and not allow it to seep into your church in any way, shape, or form. If they don't do this, there's a result, just like the other things. He'll come as a thief. And if you've ever been robbed, you know the thief. You didn't know the thief was coming if you were robbed, you didn't know it, it just happened. And Jesus is warned he'll come as a thief. Because you're not watchful, you're not ready, you're not working out, you're not strengthened, you're not remembering that he could come back at any time. But if you do those things, if you're watchful, if you work out, if you remember it, if you hold fast, if you repent, you'll be clothed in white. Your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. Jesus will confess you before his Father and before the angels in heaven. Imagine. You haven't seen somebody in a while and they introduce you. Oh, you don't have to introduce me. I know him. How you been? Go up and give him a hug. How you been? It's been a while, but I know you. Imagine when Jesus confesses you before the angels and his father? Dad, I know him. That's my boy, that's my girl. They were watchful, they were ready, they were diligent. They did all those things that I told John to write to the letters in the letter to the churches back in Revelation on the island of Patmos. Church number six, Philadelphia. Not Pennsylvania. Faithful church. They were the faithful church. So let's take a look at this one. Revelation 3, 7 to 13. Revelation 3, verses 7 to 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my commandments. You kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly, hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write on him my new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The description of Jesus here is he's holy, true. The key of David. It's an open and shut case. What God opens, keeps open, no man can shut it. What he shuts, no man can open it up again. You see, the people in this land are only in their positions because God allows it. Once their time is up, their time is up. We'll see that in Daniel with the king. Everything's temporary. Only God is eternal. And you and I are eternal beings. What we're told to do is to keep his word to not deny his name, to persevere. The results, that hour of trial that's coming that we believe is the seven years of tribulation, you and I will not have to go through that. You'd be a pillar in the temple. You're part of that support structure in God's kingdom. Did you know you're part of that support structure right here? using your gifts to edify the body of Christ, to strengthen us here in Jamesburg? How are you doing with the fanning the flame of that gift that God has given you? Are you living up to what God's called you to do? Another result is get the name of our God, the city of our God. You have a new name we already know we're new creatures in Christ if we come to Him by faith. But even better days are coming to really see and be fulfilled in the things that God has promised. And the last church is the church at Laodicea, the, the apostate church. Let's take a look at this one in Revelation 3, 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich. have have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. The apostate church, they abandoned the teachings of Jesus. Do you know how many churches? There are 300,000 churches in the United States of America, approximately. Do you know how many of those 300,000 churches have abandoned the teachings of Jesus to go with the teachings of men or traditions? I have good news. Not this one. Not this one. We live in a time of apostasy throughout the world, throughout our land. No wonder there's so much hopelessness. No wonder there's so much going on every day that is heartbreaking. Notice in this description, Jesus is the amen, the beginning and the end. He's a faithful and true witness. He's a creative force behind everything. The warning, of course, was to the lukewarm church. They weren't either hot or cold. What are you? What am I? Hopefully, we're on fire. We're hot. Not because the air conditioning's not working, because it is, but because of God's living spirit in us just igniting that flame in you and me to think, to see, to hear, to do, to walk the way God wants us to. If we do those things that God calls us to do, awesome. If we're not doing those things, God says to buy gold, and white garments, and anoint the eyes. What does that mean? Well, gold is refined by the fire. Maybe the very thing that you're going through right now that's giving you no hope is the very thing that will drive you to your knees to get back in that awesome relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. White garment, remember when you were saved, you received a robe of righteousness covered in the blood of Christ that made you pure and holy. How is your purity? How is your separatedness to Jesus Christ? Are you into things, listening, watching? Thinking things that are impure, and you know that a holy God with those burning, flaming eyes sees right through to your soul, you might have to be throwing that at his feet today. Turning and walking in a greater relationship with him. And this applies to the guys as well as, I'm, I'm sorry, the girls as well as to the guys, especially to the young people, guys and girls here. I can't even imagine back in high school or middle school, if I had a cell phone with the amount of pornography that is on the cell phones today that is available to every person. How strong and in tune with God's spirit do you have to be in order to avoid those sites? I think fully sold out to Christ. I don't think you stand a chance if you're a Wednesday or a Sunday Christian. I don't think you have a chance. You'll never make it. The enemy's too strong, too wise, too smart, and he's got you because you're not walking with Jesus 24-7, 365. That's important. Have ears today, please, young people, and maybe older people too. Have ears to hear and, and act on what God is showing you to anoint your eyes. Lord, I pray that all our eyes are anointed right now, that we'll see those things that you have called us to see in our individual walk with you today. That we would have no longer a spiritual blindness, but a spiritual sight to really understand the significance of who you are in your majesty, like John saw on the island of Patmos. My goodness, may we all have that vision of Christ that he is real, he is magnificent, he's the ultimate. There's no one else more beautiful or powerful or almighty than him. We need to see you, Jesus, in your glory because of this world that's fading away, that's corrupted. The results of not doing these things is, God vomits that person, that church, out of his mouth. You here today have that open door to tell others about Christ. Do you take advantage of that? Do you spend time hanging out with Jesus? People in here that you know better than others, I'm sure you've broken bread with them, you've gone out and eaten with them, have ice cream with them, you got to know them better over a meal. Jesus wants to dine with us every single day. How well do we know Him? And one day we're going to sit with Jesus. But the only time we should be sitting with Jesus right now is at His feet to get the game plan for the day to go out into the world. Okay, now. I'm going to give you some terms. Cover a few things, and then wrap up. Narcissism. I've heard this word a lot from our pastor, Joe, over the years, teaching right from up here. Extreme selfishness is what it means. It's an interest in the self over others. This is one of the problems in our society today, narcissism. Others don't matter, but yet Jesus showed us that he was a servant of all. Hedonism. All that counts is self-pleasure. We live in a hedonistic society. We do. People are just looking for pleasure at the expense of all kinds of things including their families, their relationship with God. Let me ask you a question for this church and for all the churches out there, but we're more concerned with this church. Is this church focused on man or on Jesus Christ? It's on Jesus Christ, amen. But there are churches that are people-pleasers that try to focus on man. The term liberalism a belief in the tolerance and the gradual reform in moral, religious, and political matters. I'm going to read that one more time because that has definitely impacted the churches in our nation. The belief in tolerance and gradual reform in moral, religious, and political matters. Governments have legalized sin, but I got great news. God has not changed his mind. What was evil in the past is still evil today. Which was sin in the past is still sin today. No law can change God's mind. Churches have become desensitized to evil, and there's a lot of liberalism in the church. There's a dumbed-down gospel, staying away from controversial issues, I praise God you won't hear that in this church. There's permissive pastors. There are sin justifiers. There are lukewarm Christians. There's same-sex marriages. There's godless entertainment. There's evolution defenders. There's satanic sympathizers. There's witchcraft. There's pornography. There's blasphemy. There's a glorification of sin in our land. Biblical truth is being downplayed or mocked. American history is being rewritten. There's attack on God-ordained marriages and families. Terrible statistic. Less than 50% of evangelical Christians are registered to vote in our country. And less than 50% of those who are registered vote. Christians fall for lies and misinformation from people hostile to Christianity because they're open to the things outside of God's word. You see, if you're in God's word, you can tell the difference in the misinformation because God is guiding you by his spirit. But if you're not in God's word, you might just read things and say, oh, that sounds pretty good. That sounds smart, but it's just appealing to your flesh. We need to return to the biblical church. We need to preach the truth. And a couple things for both teens, preteens, and parents before I wrap up is two things that are, one's coming out I think in 2016 on Fox. And the other thing has been going on as I know for at least all last year and probably through the summer. The first thing is there's going to be a television show coming out on Fox that is called Lucifer. And it's the reinvention of himself. He's going to be a likable person. He's too bored in hell so he leaves hell and he moves to LA. He's still the father of lies with moral and ethical convictions. They're going to try to make him a superhero, a fun guy. Now, some of us remember the omen and Rosemary's Baby and the Exorcist, Nightmare on Elm Street. But here is primetime TV, glorifying evil, and he's going to come back as a crime fighter. Now, what's the danger of all of this? One is the fascination with Lucifer and evil. Once you get drawn into things like this, you get closer and closer to the occult. Fortune-telling, talking to the dead, anything goes. And we've seen that with some of the movies and TV shows just in the last few years, with the fascination with the dead. Hollywood, again, enabling... Satan to show his ugly head even more. No restraint and lawlessness is just being pushed on our society. The Bible says that in the last days, evildoers and imposters will grow from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Don't buy into it. Brothers and sisters, don't buy into it. Stay pure and holy. Separate it. Don't allow Lucifer into your living room because he won't stop in your living room. The other thing that I want to alert everybody to is this thing called Charlie Charlie. It's been going around all over the world. Some of us know the occultic significance of the Ouija board. Well, the first way I was exposed to Charlie, Charlie, a kid came into my class the last couple weeks of school, into my office, and he said, hey, coach, can I show you something? I said, yeah, what's up, Dom? What do you want to show me? And he had two pencils and a piece of paper that had, I think, two yes words on it and two no's, and he crossed the pencils. And he started talking to the paper. So as soon as I saw that, I said, Lord, just protect this office. Honestly, I said, Lord, just protect this office, protect this kid's heart, protect what's going on here. So he kept saying something to these pencils. They never moved, praise God. They never moved. Two weeks later, you had a part in this. That same boy went to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The same kid. He went to Kutztown. He heard the gospel message over and over again. And if you were here before, that little Evangel cube that I put on my desk At school, the kids pick up and play like a Rubik's Cube and then say, hey coach, what is this? And I give them the gospel in one minute and you can do that in a public school if they ask you, but you can't force it onto them. (laughs) So, that young man went to camp. Impacted for eternity. Same guy who wanted to do the Charlie Charlie, but that's the thing that's going on. They say it's a Mexican demon that people are calling on. Okay, wrap up time. What are the similarities that were told to the churches in the seven churches that are applicable to us? First is, hey, let's make sure that our first love stays our first love if it's not returned to Jesus Christ. Second, be overcomers. Hey, there's always battles in this world. There's battles every day. There's not a battle every day. You've just had a great day. Right? You just had a great day. But there's always going to be a battle on this side of heaven. So be overcomers, but remember, you can only do it in Jesus Christ. We can do all things in Him who strengthens us. Always remember the cross. Always remember what Jesus did. He didn't have to come down. He did it out of love for you and I. He shed His blood to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever get tired of hearing that. That's the fundamentals of our faith. He died for us. It's not cheap grace. He paid a price. Cost him his life. Hold fast to those things that you're learning. Hold on to them. Write them in your heart. Write them on your notepad, wherever you got iPad, whatever it is. Write them down. They say when you write something down, whether it's with your hand or you're typing it into your iPad or whatever device, that helps to retain it instead of just hearing it and letting it go. Write it down, something that's triggering something that you want to remember. Keep his word, be accountable, go to church, hang out with other believers. You need that because most of the time we're not with believers the rest of the week. We need this to get ready for what's coming today and tomorrow. Persevere. You're not in this fight alone. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, but we have a team, not only here, but throughout the world. What a great thing that Pastor Joanne mentioned with the Jewish people rescuing Christians. Those are going to be our messianic believers in heaven one day. We're going to meet them face to face. But here God is turning to the Jews to help now the people that supported the Jews throughout history. And don't ever stop doing that. They're still his chosen people, regardless of what part of those 300,000 churches are gonna preach one day and have already started, that the church replaced Israel. It's a lie. Read your scriptures, it's right there. When we're out of here, God's gonna turn his attention back to the Jews. Don't ever deny Jesus Christ. May that be the last name you ever say when you leave this earth, Jesus. Jesus, there's no other name on heaven and earth where man can be saved but the name of Jesus. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold his guiltless not to speak is to speak, not to act, is to act. You're always telling a message. You're always given a message by your silence or your talk, by your actions or non-actions. You're given a message. What is a message you and I are given? When Christ calls a man and a woman and a teen and a preteen, and an older person, doesn't matter the age, he bids him come and die. We need to die to ourselves. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you and I that live. It's Christ who lives in us. And the life that we now live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave his life for us. We're crucified in him. We offer ourselves daily as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. Because that's makes sense. That's all we can do. And not to be transformed by this world and fit into its mold, or conformed, I'm sorry, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the washing of our mind with the Word of God cleansing us and filling us to be those first online, first players the first string going on to the playing field in Matthew 5.13 it says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you might be here today and you don't feel like You fit any of these things here today. Well, that's why God loves you so much, and he's telling you. Let's get that saltiness back. Let's get going again to that place where God wants us to be. Our delay in making decisions for Christ, our delay in moving forward with Jesus Christ prevents the decaying of this world. So let's delay that decay by being men and women, boys and girls, teenagers for Christ to be used in whatever way God wants us to be used. But we have to do this to delay the decay. We have to read his word and obey it. We have to pray always. We have to spread his word. We have to tell others and we're gonna make disciples. And is it a coincidence that in a couple of weeks is a discipleship class? No. No, because this is what God is calling us to do, to fulfill the Great Commission. And we can do it together. What is more important? Seriously, what is more important? Nothing, except where you and I are going to spend eternity and where this world is going to spend eternity. Do we care enough? to be inconvenienced to tell others about Jesus Christ along with our team.
0: You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.